everybody. Welcome to Success After Service. I'm Chris Hale, CEO of GI Jobs, and I'm very, very pleased to have Tyler Merritt here, the founder and CEO of Nine Line Apparel with us today. Tyler, welcome. Hey, thank you so much for having me. You got it, man. Listen, I think everybody knows about Nine Line to a large degree, but why don't you tell us uh, your sort of the origins? A lot of people are pretty familiar, but just a great entrepreneurial, what we call vetrepreneurial story selling your house and a whole bunch of other stuff and just kind of starting it out of your garage. I mean, like you guys check all the boxes. Give us a, an overview of how that business was started. Well, yeah, it's, it's fun to think 10 years ago, uh, right around this time, you know, I was still in special operations. I was still serving as the air mission commander for 160th uh, here out of Hunter Army Airfield. I had a, uh, you know, uh, some little kids at home and uh, we had started this uh, promotional products kind of company called um, uh, GI Custom, actually. Uh, we started making promotional products for my unit, um, other units adjacent to us, the Rangers, 160th, uh, SF groups. And, um, you know, I, I didn't really have any affinity towards a certain brand, right? Like buying a Gildan or labeling it or a Porton company or some of these, you know, lesser quality, um, you know, blank items. And so we set off to create our own. Um, partnered with uh, other blank man manufacturers like Bella Camps, still my my awesome partners, uh, and we started to get into the the embellishments. Um, you know, grew from my garage to taking over a small building down the road, um, taking over the building next door, managing things from uh, afar uh, while on deployments, and relying on some incredible humans that uh, you know started with us a decade ago that are still in the other room, uh, working their butts off till the wee hours of the night. Um, but you know, it's been about a decade. Uh, we moved three or four times. Uh, we've almost, you know, thread the needle of some different weird instances like pandemics and, you know, PCSing, ETSing for me personally is always trying, uh, and just managing that growth and staying private without having to take on, you know, some toxic investors has always been my, um, uh, my, my plan. And I'd say 10 years later, we're, we're still here and growing and scaling and partnering with some awesome organizations. So it's been a heck of a journey. Yeah, no, good stuff. And, uh, you know, one of the things I think you, you think about starting an apparel company, right? Apparel, it's not, you know, it's not necessarily the materials or the design. It's, it's a brand, right? It's, it's how somebody feels and it's an expression of their core beliefs and their core values and the things that are really, they hold dear and important. Um, I think you guys came came to light, right? 2013, you said 10 years, right? At the height of uh, a lot of the overseas operations in the war on terror and really struck a chord. How do you guys, how do you think you did that? What was, what were some of the defining moments in those early days? Well, I mean, we're obviously tied into the organizations and, and uh, tied into the community. Um, so one of the things that we truly care about is giving back, right? You know, we are a give back organization. We're not super braggadocious about it. We have our own um, charity called Nine Line Foundation, which at the time we were building, uh, you know, full size homes for uh, fully accessible wheelchair home, accessible homes for uh, severely wounded veterans. Um, we did about one every, you know, six to 12 months uh, for several years. Um, as the war kind of dwindled down, we work with you know, dozens of other charitable organizations um, in this space, first responder space. Uh, we raised, you know, millions and millions of dollars for those organizations and put thousands of man hours and you know I, I think our community knows that we're a give back right when, when you're overseas and you get injured you call on a nine line right 
So we wanted our mantra, you know, to, to answer the call here in the United States to give back to our community to do things ethically, right? You can do things uh, profitably and ethically. They do come together at the same intersection. It doesn't have to be unethical sourcing of things, um, you know, and really your actions speak louder. So if a disaster strikes, if an individual organization, you know, is in need and we have the ability to do so, you know, we encourage other people to, and in that respect, we have to do so ourselves, right? Set the example for our kids to follow. Um, and I think that's what really ties into our community that being the silent professionals, being the ones who are doing the harder right over the easier wrong um, and letting our actions speak louder than some of these woke organizations and fake veteran brands that just talk about things and they never do anything yeah yeah and that's you know that that's that's part of your your brand right is you definitely appeal to um you know a a uh, certain uh certain individual and a type that's looking for that kind of a thing with all the, you know with with the wars now being over with uh, you know a lot of people just growing tired of all the division in our country you know, does this help your business or does, does that hurt your business? Well, I think there's a lot of things that uh, affect different businesses. Uh, right now, you know, in the, in the social space, um, advocating for things that are against mainstream in any way, you know, it does have an effect, a negative effect, right? I, I can't say the things I used to be able to say. Um, you know, by in no means have we ever, you know, condone racism or fascism or any of the sexism, right? Like, but if you have an, a woke mentality that is pervasive in the social influence sphere and you go against that narrative, you get punished. And I get punished just the same as, you know, other people in my space. It's not going to stop me. It is annoying, um, but it does hinder growth. Um, then you have, you know, other external factors of when we start um, identifying and telling people in our community, you know, this organization says one thing, but they're not doing those things, right? Like they talk about doing things ethically and they talk about social justice, but I test their materials because I use them and they actually are consistent with slave regions in Xinjiang, China. So obviously their actions with this specific product line you're selling me, it doesn't yeah. you know, line up with, with their words and their claims. You know, so what am I gonna do about it? Am I gonna accept it? You know, am I going to be quiet? Am I going to allow it to continue? And the answer is none of those things, but they all have consequences, right? If I go along with the narrative, if I go along with, um, you know, quote unquote, uh, unethical decisions, easier, you know, ways to make money, I could make a ton of profit, right? Just join the club. Um, but that's not the example I set for my kids that I wouldn't be able to look at myself in the mirror. And honestly, there's, there's ways that you can make money and be able to still be proud of yourself and be proud of your organization. And I think it's a longer term play. Um, so I'm hoping that the American public wakes up and sees that, you know, companies like ours were so inclusive and we're so all about trying to promote, you know, what American exceptionalism truly is, right? If you wonder why people are climbing aboard an aircraft that's taking off from Afghanistan, knowing they're going to potentially falter their deaths, Amen. actually, they absolutely knew that. Um, that's how much they wanted to come to this country. That should mean something. The, the amount of people coming into the southern borders, the amount of people that are, you know, risking their lives to get to this country. You know, we are an exceptional country. We should stop um, trying to ruin it by placating the, a small group of 
very, very loud, ignorant humans that, you know, want us to become an atheistic society. You know, for some reason, faith in any faith, it seems to be bad. You know, family values seem to be things that you don't want to talk about. Um, and, and that's what we're hoping to encourage, right? Reinvigorate patriotism, which is just a sense of taking care of your fellow countrymen, whether or not, you know, uh, you're getting accolades for it, you know, doing the right thing when no one is looking. That's what we're trying to encourage people to do. Um, but I, I think we just get caught up in that narrative of a, hey, you're pro gun, which means you're pro Trump, which means you're pro bad things. And now you need to be silenced. That seems to be what happens on social media. Yeah. Right you now. guys listen in regardless of where anybody is on the political spectrum. Uh, being true to what you believe in is, as I think, the key to business success and being the key to having people that are just raving fans about your brand because they want to wear it because you speak what they believe in wherever that is, and it's just really, really powerful. And you've captured that uh, in in a just a phenomenal way. Let me ask you this: In the early days, I think Miles Burke was that one of your early designers. Yeah, okay. So, how important was it for you to have like? First of all, where did you find this person and how did you get to a point where, you know, you could communicate what you were looking for and that was sort of captured in this design, right? And, and it captured the design as you saw it. Yeah, so Miles Burke was a uh, SCAD student when I was still deploying for the 160th and we would meet at Wild Wings Cafe with our computers. I, I like to dabble in websites and programming and coding. Yeah. Um, and so we got together and started with artistic side. I started with the kind of more computer science side and we built this brand from nothing. And um, fast forward almost 11 years later, he's in the office next door to me. The guy doesn't leave. He doesn't sleep. He doesn't stop. He's here before everyone. <laughs> um, and he's my fire and forget. He's my COO. He's built every system, every program. Um, and, you know, I, I'd say that when I would deploy all the time, um, Miles would be on a phone call with me uh, as much as I could, asking me um, all the right questions. And when things went wrong, right, like this is how you know you have the right leader. When things went wrong, I remember 2014, I was not there, and uh, you know our website crashed on a Friday. And Miles, the only one that could really do things to rebuild it, um, but everyone else who's there. You know, even my father is working, still works here. You know, just grab pizza, grab Red Bulls, anything that someone could do to help him. You know, they all rallied around him unofficially without asking, right? And when it came time to choose a COO and I'm interviewing all these, you know, MBAs from Harvard or, you know, West Point grads, I chose Miles. And his response was, hey, I'll, I'll be COO until you find someone better. Right? I care about this company. I'm a co-founder. You know, find someone better. Never found someone better. I'm never going to. Uh, you know, he started off working here when he was, what, 22 years old, you know, now early 30s. And, uh, you know, that, that's the type of environment that he's been able to create, right? And I'd like to think that I have a, you know, small part of that. But since I'm always pinging around the world, right? I spent a good amount of last year in Ukraine doing humanitarian stuff you know, before all the U.S. got involved with stuff. You yeah, know, I spent yeah. the year before that doing humanitarian stuff in Afghanistan. I spent the year before that doing humanitarian stuff elsewhere, right? That no one really knows about how much I move around and how much stuff I do. Miles does. And I can still just pick up a phone call and, and communicate in 30 seconds. And he knows exactly what it needs to get done. 
um, you know, because we've we've built that relationship. So I'm very similar to people who've you know had those highly functioning organizations, those SF groups, Ranger groups, where you don't have to talk. You're going and you know kicking down the door in the stack. Like everyone knows their 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 plan. It's a change up of room structures, um, aircraft, same thing. You know, we we know how to go in formation. We know emergency, uh, you know, calls, right? Yeah. I feel like we built the same thing, the same highly functioning autonomous organizations here at Nine Line, and that's why we've been successful. It's, it's not because of me; it's despite me, right? Like, how autonomous can these guys go? How much can I give them? You know, left and right limits before you have to rein things back. And I, I want to be able to, you know, yank back on the reins of my guys. I don't want to have to kick them in the butt. And, and that's what we look for. That's our team that we built, and a lot of it's because of that number one, first employee, most important employee of mine. Uh, that I kind of always set everyone else against. You know, why yeah. can't you be like Miles? Yeah, and you guys have good chemistry, and that's so important. Um, how big are you guys today, Tyler? What's the size of the company in terms of whatever you're able to reveal, you know, in terms of in terms of revenues or, you know, units sold or employees? Sure. Well, um, I'd say on an annual basis, we're, you know, in that 40 to $50 million range um, in, in, in scaling. Um, I don't really care about top line. I care about bottom line. That's really what the banks and you know my ex-wife care about. <laughs> Everyone's got expenses. Um, the bottom line is what drives me. The partnerships for the bottom line drive me. Um, and then you know number of units out the door. You know we we can get up fifty thousand impressions a day, which is pretty incredible. Um, you know packages, yeah. you know, tens of thousands Amazing. of packages, and we can pivot. Um, and we do it not just for our brand. We do it for partner brands. You know, so I private label and produce products for very large um, brands outside of what we do for ourselves. So it's, it's really the building the manufacturing capacity here and showing that you can have, you know, highly profitable USA made products. You can have highly profitable, you know, say USA cotton cut and sewn in South America, but then printed and embellished in Savannah, Georgia. Different price points to hit. You don't have to use slaves in China. You know, that's the go to for everyone. China yeah. makes it cheaper. China makes it cheaper. I don't do barely anything in China. And if people who I private label for are insistent on using something that I know uses, you know, slave labor or like highly unethical practices, I let them know, you know, I'd prefer really not producing this for you. And in fact, there's certain things yeah. that just, I flat out, I can't do. Good stuff, Tyler. Where do you see, um, where do you see Nine Line going into the future? What's your vision for it? Definitely never public. Uh, I like staying private and move a lot faster. Um, you know, I, I, I'd like to continue to grow our, our um, retail stores all around the country. We crush it in retail sales, right? Online can't stop me when I have a physical presence in places where I know my demographic is. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I've got a big retail expansion push. We just opened a store in Augusta, um, you know, outside Fort Meade. A couple weeks ago, we did a grand opening. I opened up Daytona this last weekend, soft opening. Grand opening will be in the next month. Um, I've got Key West being built out. It'll be a, another Black Rifle Nine Line Apparel store, you know, co-located on nice. the Wall Street. Um, that opens end of July. And I'm just going to keep on opening up these retail stores as a big FU to all the social media oligarchs. Um, and then I'm going to keep what on about Times Square, man? You need something in Times Square, right? Yeah, I don't think, I don't think that's going to do as well. Is like Nashville or like, you know, Key West or Dollywood. Big stage, yeah. Yeah, no, it's just more of the, you know, the different demographics, right? Where does, I'd say my core demographic congregate, maybe outside of military bases, maybe outside of, you know, places that people like you and me like to vacation. 
with our kids. Um, you know, it's probably not going to be, you know, the Rio Drive in Beverly Hills. Now I'm from Connecticut. It's probably not going to be Greenwich, Connecticut, you know, on the app. Uh, so I'm, I'm trying to stay focused on our retail expansion growth. Um, and I'm trying to take what I've done in manufacturing, um, just in time, made it order manufacturing. We've spent the last decade uh, refining it, leveraging technologies in an industry which has never been done where you know, we're doing more with less and we're leveraging robotics and we're leveraging a lot of sophisticated um, programming. So I can do services for my partners similar to me, right? I can provide production to other retail stores and to other brands and to you know, drop ship services to big box stores that um, you know, allow me to get my blanks printed with other people's brands. Right. So th those are some of the things that we're doing that I don't mind sharing. And then a lot of things behind the scenes um, that I'm sure you'll see if you pay attention. <laughs> Good stuff, man. Hey, uh, you know, a lot of people look at what you've done and, you know, don't don't, you know, have necessarily any desires to do exactly what you've done, but they want to do their own thing. Right. They want to be their own. They want to be an entrepreneur. What advice would you give to those folks who are leaving the service? and you know aspiring entrepreneurs in some way yeah i think they'll crush it and anything they do if they take the same mindset and dedication that made them successful in the military and, I, and if they were successful then leadership 101 was be present right everyone always tell me like what's the first step to leadership be around wherever the majority of your people are be there step one um step two you know capable competent right be the smartest person in your industry right but then surround yourself with a lot smarter humans that eventually will overcome you like miles did for me way smarter than me right um and then step three do it for the right reasons if you're doing this to have more free time and you're doing this because you want you know flexibility and don't want to be told what your hours are it's kind of like i joined the special operations thinking i was gonna you know not be deploying for a year at a time i'd be deploying for these short times but you know and i had a lot more leeway big boy rules and it, it was it took me six months to meet everyone in my unit and I finally meet my commander who's the current, you know, 160th commander, Colonel Graham. He's like, Hey, I don't, I don't care where you come in. I don't care when you leave. I don't care if you come in on the weekends, just get your job done. I, I mean, I had to come in earlier. I mean, I stayed really late. That means I came in on weekends, not because I was forced to, because it's the only way to get shit done. And if you're an entrepreneur and you're expecting someone else to do those things, to be present, to, you know, figure things out through Google yeah. research and to, you know, um have all this flexibility i mean shit at this point i'm super flexible i go everywhere i want with a cell phone right and a computer but i'm a slave to it you know i check it 30 times a day i stop meals i stop you know workouts to go walk outside i sacrifice time with my kids probably led to partial reasons of divorce but you know no hard feelings great relationship with my ex right now and kids um but it it's 24 7 uh yeah. you know forget that you know 28 8 uh whatever that yeah you know, right. four hours in a day so yeah. the the idea of jumping into something with no fallback when you have family it really wasn't a thing for me so i i, I started this while i was still active duty um i it was a it was a side hustle it turned into my main hustle so that's the only difference I would say is if you're in the service, you can have a side hustle. You need to get your job done, but like have a side hustle, find out what you're good at, find some passion in it or find a way to transition to something else. So I did that in the military. I said I would be a pilot until I no longer enjoyed it. 
I would have never left if I wasn't medically retired and they told me I couldn't fly, right? I love that. And, and it's expensive to rent helicopters now. But like my passion was, you know, aviation. I was following it. It's no longer, you know, my employment. I found another passion. I'm following it. I don't know where life's going to lead me in the next 20 years, but I'm going to keep doing this until I don't enjoy it. Uh, and right now I get to choose who I work with every day. I love that. You know, I get to work with them well past five o'clock most days and weekends. I don't totally enjoy that, but at least I'm with good humans doing good things for a sense of purpose, right? Great advice. We appreciate you taking time out to talk to our audience today. Congratulations on 10 years, man. You've, uh, you've definitely been just a, a thought leader and uh, a leader in when you were, you know, on active duty and since then, and a lot of people really look up to you, man. Thanks a lot for your time and uh, best wishes for continued success. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Appreciate the kind words. Absolutely. Take care.